Well, good morning. How is everybody? So glad that you're here hanging out with us. Man, it's been such a good morning. I, I'm telling you, we have just felt the Holy Spirit. I, I have from the moment I walked in this morning, and I, I hope you did too. I hope from the moment that you just pulled onto the parking lot, Jasper, the moment you pulled in at the school, that you felt the Holy Spirit moving. And I pray this morning that, that God just continues to speak to us. I'll tell you a quick story. At, on Wednesday night, we had a student gathering in, in Jasper. And, and in Jasper, that happens once a month. Um, and we do, do small groups the rest of the time. Um, but this, was, this past Wednesday was our student gathering. We meet at, at Pickens County High School. And, and what happened was we, we were in worship and, I, and we were just, I mean, the band was absolutely killing it. I mean, it was, it was so thick in there. And I, I went down front and I was worshiping. And if you've ever been around me in a, in a worship service, I'm, I'm loud because I, I just, I love worship. You know, I, I used to be a worship pastor. So I just, I love, I love that. Music just, it, it speaks to, to me. It gets me ready, Right. So I'm in there and I've got this, this middle school boy sitting in front of me and I, I'm there and I'm, you know, singing to the top of my lungs and he just keeps looking back at me like I got two heads, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I leaned down to him and I was like, why don't you stop looking at me and sing? And he goes, he was like, what? <laughs> so he turns around and he starts singing. And so he, he, start, he, he starts singing loud and loud and I grab him by the, by the shoulder and I was like, yeah, that's it freaking out. So after the, after the service, I, I caught him in the lobby. I went up to him and I just stared him straight in the face. And I said, God is going to make a worshiper, worshiper out of you. And you know, his eyes get like this big. Sometimes all we need is some permission. Sometimes all we need is somebody to just to give us a little permission and say, Hey, it's okay. It, it, it's okay to take your next step. And I hope this morning you feel that way. I hope this morning that, that you know that you have permission in this place to take in all that God wants you to receive this morning. That God's word does not come back void to us. That you are in here to receive something from God. You're in here to receive a word from God to help encourage you no matter where you are, no matter what your situation is. This morning, I hope that you feel the freedom and that when you walked in here, there this morning, you felt the freedom for God to love you and encourage you so that you start your week off in this place and that it affects every single minute, every single hour of the rest of your week. Because Paul's gonna talk to us in just a minute as we continue this series. And he's gonna, he's gonna remind the church. And I hope you're reminded this morning of how much God loves you. I had a weird week last week. Uh, on, on Friday, I went, to, I went to the doctor. My, 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 uh, my wife made me, and I was about to say my mom. She doesn't do that anymore. My <laughs> wife does this now. So my wife made, made me a doctor's appointment to go have a, just a, a regular physical. How many, how many people in here just absolutely love physicals? I still got one. I had one in the 815, none in the 945. We got one in here, all right? I hate them. Absolutely hate going to the doctor. I don't like any of, that kind of, any of those kinds of things. I just, I break out in like a cold sweat when I go to the doctor. My blood pressure goes up. It's, it's just not good. So I avoid the doctor as much as possible. And I, I went for this physical 
and I step in there and, and even like, even like chiropractors or whatever, like literally I'll just break out in this cold sweat when people start touching me. It's just weird, right? Now, when I went to Africa, this was cool. When I went to Africa, I got over that because if you go to Africa, you're gonna get hugged on and loved on no matter if you like it or not. So I got over, I got, I'm a hugger now. I know, shocker, right? I'm a hugger. But I went to the doctor and, and I, I walk in and you know, they did everything they're supposed to do to check you out, make sure everything's good. Did some blood work and we got done. And she's like, you're, Chad, you're as healthy as a horse. You, you've got the heart of a 20 year old. You're, you're in great shape. And I'm just telling you in that moment when those words came out of her mouth, I felt completely vindicated about my bad habits about not going to the doctor. I was like, yeah, Christy, she doesn't need to make another appointment for another 10 years. I'm good to go, right? Got in my truck and I was feeling so great about myself. Got a phone call the next day. On the phone, the doctor says, uh, Chad, I, I got your results back from, from your blood test. And, and listen, everything's okay. Listen, when the doctor starts off that way, things aren't okay. They're just not. They're not okay. She said, but there were a couple of things that we tested for, some levels that were elevated. And, you know, I, I need you to come back in as soon as you can to, to do some more blood work. And I was like, what? No, no, that's not right. So I went back in. All right, so I, so I went the next day and I, you know, I, was, I was like, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause for a second. I'm gonna trust the wisdom of these doctors. I'm gonna be patient and I'm gonna wait on them. And I'm just gonna wait for the test results before I make any conclusions in my mind. Heck no, I didn't do that. I went straight to Google. And I started Googling everything I could find about these test results and trying to you know, come up with my own conclusions of what was going on. WebMD is the devil, y'all. It's the devil. If you have a sniffle and you go to WebMD, you're dying. That's what happens. So this, in the afternoon, I started in the afternoon just kind of looking at stuff. By 2 a.m. in the morning, I have worked myself up to a complete panic attack about what these results mean. I am, I am absolutely freaking out. So I go back and I have you know, the blood work done again, still nervous, don't know what's going on. Doctors, are, they're calm. They're, hey, we just need to, we're, we're gonna figure this out. It's gonna be okay. Are you sure? Do I have scurvy? Is it real bad? You know, I didn't know what I had. So I get the test results back again really fast. And she called me and she said, you're fine. She said, the levels are coming down really quickly. She said, it's probably a combination of, you know, you coming off a fast and I, I quickly changed my, my workout routine and some eating habits and stuff like that. And she said, you, you know, prob- your body's just a, readjusting to, to normal stuff. And when those words came out of her mouth, I was like, okay, we're good. We're good, everybody. But I was operating off just really bad information. I started drawing conclusions that I had no business drawing. I ain't a doctor. I had no business drawing the conclusions that I was drawing and, and working myself up to just anxiety, having anxiety over what was going on. So I was operating off really bad information. And this is why Paul is writing this letter to Rome that we're, 
we're gonna talk about today. We're still in chapter one, so we're, we're in, still in the intro of him getting started. And he, he's, his number one goal is to give accurate information so we can diagnose what's going on. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's diagnosing what's going on in the church of Rome and, and giving them the, he's giving them healthy, accurate information so that they can, they can take and operate in a healthy way. And for us, it's the same way. Let me tell you this. So give you some context, the church of Rome at that point. So the church, the, the Roman culture was, um, was very tumultuous at that time. Lots going on in, in the Roman empire and the culture that was very contrary to what believers in the church were, were trying to live out, what the gospel said to them. So the culture of Rome was very self-indulgent. What, how, how can I get ahead? Who can I step on to get and climb up the ladder of, of success? The religious climate was divided. The sentiment in Rome was that they didn't care who you worshiped as long as Caesar was part of that. So you can worship anything you want to, sun, moon, stars, whatever. Jesus, it didn't matter as long as Caesar was part of that. And if you know anything about the Bible, that's, that poses a direct problem. Because the Bible says there's only one God only one creator, nobody else should be worshiped apart from him. He's it, that's all. So that put them in direct opposition to Rome. Basically, the more ambiguous your belief system was, the more aligned with culture you were the safer you were in, in Roman culture of the day, the more ambiguous your beliefs were. Sound familiar? It should. So what Paul does here in, in these few verses that we're gonna look at is he reminds them of a few things because Paul's gonna get in to an unbelievable amount of, of doctrine and theology. God's best is, is what Paul's about to talk about in this letter but he's saying, listen, I've got to give you, before I get into this, I've got to remind you of a few things that you've got to, got to filter all this information through. You've got to remember a few things about who you are and what your purpose is before we get into everything else. If you got your Bible today, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter one. We're going to go from verse seven to verse 13. We're going to take it verse by verse. In verse seven, he says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul's doing here is he's reminding them of a couple of things. He's, he's gathering them together. So Paul is reminding them of who they are and whose they are. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints. To all those in Rome, God has called you. He has brought you out to be separate, to be set apart, saints. He has written his name on your heart. It's his name that you go by. 
He's the one that gets to define you. He's the one that gets to tell you who you are and no one else. The second part, which is, the second part is very, a very Pauline statement. His statement goes and happens a lot in these letters that he writes. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, you read those a lot in Paul's writings and I've always just kind of skipped over them as, oh, Paul's just kind of getting things started. This is, this is just his intro. But that statement is so powerful because what Paul's doing there is he's reminding them that their, the, their grace and their peace, essentially the power that they have from the gospel comes from their heavenly father. The power that they have been given to sustain or, or stand up against the culture that they're in comes from God. That's where their power lies. And, and church, can I tell you, we have got to operate that way. That our power does not come from us. It doesn't rest on our shoulders, but we have to take the mindset that when we wake up every day, that our power comes from, the, from God. And I know that may sound, that sound really simple, but can I tell you, we forget it so quickly. We forget it so quickly. We wanna operate under our, our own strengths under our own ability to give purpose, under our own ability to, to gain resources. And God said, that was never your purpose. You were never supposed to hold that. Your resource comes from me. But so many times we, we still take it back and we forget. And Paul's reminding the church of Rome that it's only by God's power are they going to complete the mission that they've been given. So this morning, to all those in this room loved by God, where does your grace and power come from? Where does our, our grace, where does our peace, where does the power of God come from? Is it contingent on us or does it rest on him? Verse eight. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I love this verse because I, I want the church that I'm a part of, I, I want to be a church that people say that about us about you and I. I want people to write to us and say, what the mess is going on at Revolution Church? People are getting saved, people are being delivered from stuff, people are being healed, marriages are being healed, affliction is, is being healed, that, that God is moving, people are being saved in your church. What's happening? I wanna be a part of that church. Not just, hey, you, you've set up a, a, you know, a good organization. There's, a, there's, there's people coming to your church. You're filling seats up. That was never our goal. If, if, if somebody writes us a letter and says, listen, 
the faith that you have in your church is being heard about all over the world. That's what we're called to. That's our goal. Is that we, we live in a state of, of, of relying on God so much that we get to see him move. And when we get to see him move, it goes way beyond what you and I can do or fathom. And people all around the world benefit from the gospel that starts in us here in this body of believers. Paul reminds them in chapter eight to keep going. Keep going. Don't give up because what you're doing is making a difference. Don't stop. Dig deeper, push in more. What you are doing is worth it. What Paul's doing right here is he's, he's giving Rome a, basically a halftime pep talk. There, there are good ways from, from Pentecost where kind of everything exploded and started. They've been, they've been put in, in this city, which they are extremely persecuted. Lots of just unbelievable things are going on. We know that Paul is writing this letter. We, we don't know exactly when it was written. This, it was written between 49 and 57 AD. Okay, so that's, that's the time frame we're looking at. And we know that there are a couple of, of emperors during that time. Well, there was Claudius and then a, a dude named Nero, if you've ever heard, heard of this guy. Man. This dude was so brutal. Hated Christians. What he would do is he would take them and gather them up in the afternoon and he would kill them and hang them on crosses so he could have light in his gardens in the evening. He would gather them up and line them on the streets of Rome on crosses and light them on fire so that there could be light on the Roman roads at night. Brutal. Because they were in direct opposition to him. And Paul's telling this church in this context, don't stop. Keep going. Don't give up. And the thing we know about this Roman church is they were fierce with the gospel. They were fierce with how they used it. One story, just historically, within the church in Rome, there was a, a practice and it was legal. If you didn't want a child, then you, you could just take that child and, and you could place it in the street or you could place it out in the wilderness and, and just walk away in hopes that somebody would come and, and, a, and get that child. But oftentimes you can imagine what would happen, that that child would die of exposure or animals would come and, and take that child or sometimes even worse, somebody would come and take the child and exploit it until they didn't want it anymore and they would discard it. 
But the Christians of that time in Rome, they knew how important these babies were, this life was, and they would go and they would, they would take these children and they would adopt them and, and love them and raise them. And because of the love of the church in Rome for these innocent children, it began to change policy over time. It began to change even the, the laws of the time that, that made it illegal for that to happen. Listen, it's not because they had the loudest voice and it wasn't because they complained the most. It was because they loved the biggest. It was because they were fierce about the gospel and they, they took the gospel and used it as a weapon against evil and to save those around them, the lives around them that they knew were valuable. I think so many times that the church were so passive with the gospel and it was never meant to be that way. We were supposed to use the gospel in all its power and all its force. It was never meant to be, well, I just have it inside of me and it doesn't come out. It would be like, it would be like going to a, a Superman movie and Clark Kent's there the whole time and Superman never shows up, right? That would be terrible. You would never get to that point in the movie where you hear that epic song. And in the midst of all that, right? I wore my, I wore my Superman onesie under this. I'm just kidding. But it would be just like that. Nobody would go see that movie. Nobody wants to hear that story because it's not worth telling. The story is not worth telling. But so many times the church, what we do is we're so comfortable in our phone booth, we don't wanna come out. We just wanna stay right there and phone it in. Hey, somebody needs help. Can you get somebody to go help them? instead of using the power that we've been given to rip off the suit and come out of that phone booth with all the fierceness and all the power of the gospel saying, I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna use the power of the gospel that I've been given inside of me to see people saved. Church, you've been given power for a reason. You've been given the ability to transfer salvation through the message of Jesus Christ to those who are lost and dying. Yeah. And Paul reminds the church that they've been given this power to use it in your neighborhood in your family, in your church. And when we begin to use the power we've been given, the story of the gospel gets spread to the ends of the earth, even to those that have never heard the gospel before. Paul asked them this question and, and, and it plagues for us the same way. What are, what are we fierce about? What gets us riled up? Is it that people are lost? Is it that they need a savior? 
Is it that they're dying? What is it that, that gets us riled up? Because if it's anything else in the gospel for believers, if it's anything else in the gospel, then our priorities are, are out of line. We're operating again off bad information. And thus we're operating at half power. If what gets us riled up is, is only our, our jobs, what gets us riled up is only our, our hobbies or our teams or our kids, if that's the only thing that gets us riled up, we've got our priorities out of line. We're operating off of bad information that somebody's told us at some point that's a lie. That the gospel of Christ for believers that have been brought from dead to life, the gospel of Jesus comes first because that's where we receive our power. That's where our source comes from. Verse nine, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul says here in, in this passage, especially in verse 11, he says that um, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now we don't know exactly what that spiritual gift, but we know what he's bringing, what it's going to do for them, that it's gonna strengthen them, that, it may mutually in, that they may mutually encourage each other. Now I'm gonna infer something just for a minute because you can look all throughout the letters of Paul and see his purpose in all of them and it's to unite the church. So the gift that he's bringing them, I think is its total purpose in itself is to unite them, to pull them together. Paul reminds them of the importance of unity. That we've, we've got to do this together. We can never do this apart 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says that we are one body with many parts. That when one part of the body suffers, we're all gonna suffer with them. When one part of the body is honored, we're all gonna honor with them. If the church, for us, if, if we're gonna take this vision of going from three to five seriously, Three being just a church that, that, that's about addition to a, a level five church that's about multiplication. And that means we are spreading out all over the world. They're gonna write this letter saying we're hearing about your faith all over the world. If we think that we're gonna go from a level three to a level five church without being unified, we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. If we're not unified as a church, if we're not all going in the same direction and we think we're gonna multiply all over the world, we're fooling ourselves. Because here's a simple truth. God put us together and we're so much better when we're together. In our culture, as in the Roman culture at the time that Paul was writing to, 
There's such a strong thread of individuality. We're told that our value is, is in us as individuals, not us as a collective unit. Society says to you that you can do anything. The gospel says that we can do anything under the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's obedience to the gospel of Christ leads to the unification of the church. Because here's what happens. We can know the power. We can know where the power comes from. We can know who we are in God. We can actively be using that power that God has given us. But if we're not unified in the vision that we're going after, if we're not unified as one body, then what's gonna happen with that power is we're just gonna rip each other apart. If you know anything about um, farm animals or anything like that, when you, when you take a, an oxen or horse and, or you take a couple or a pair of them and you put them together, you have a harness, you have a yoke even that binds those two animals together. And, and because they are together going in the same direction, their power is, is multiplied. They're able to, to pull unbelievable amounts of weight to produce a, a lot of work that needs to be done. Now, what would happen if, if you took one animal and put it one way in the yoke and another animal and put it the other way in the yoke and somebody started cracking a whip? Those animals are gonna tear each other apart. They're gonna destroy everything around them. It's not gonna be pretty. And so many times as a church, we operate that way. No, no, I wanna go this way. No, I wanna go this way. I wanna go this way. My idea is better than yours. We're gonna go this way. We're gonna... And we just end up taking the power that God's given us and what we do is we use it to rip each other apart. 1 Corinthians 13, two says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all knowledge and mysteries and have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing, nothing. If I can do all this stuff, but don't have love for those around me. If I'm not united in love with those around me, then I'm nothing. What does love do? Love unifies, love multiplies, love sanctifies. What does evil do? It separates, kills, and corrupts. It's time for the church to unite. It's time for the church to come together, to love each other like we are brothers and sisters in Christ, to bind ourselves under the banner of the gospel, to love each other through our differences and our quirks, to take the same approach that Paul took here and say, I am obedient to the gospel. And because of that, I'm gonna unite with those around me to see the gospel go forward.
Verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Paul here reminds them of the importance of the gospel. Paul's ready to come to Rome. He's never been. Paul's writing right now to the Roman church from Corinth. He's he's never even been and visited them. But he's heard about what's going on and he wants to encourage them. Because actually Paul's, Paul's gonna go, his plan is to go to Rome and then go to Spain from there to see the gospel furthered even more. That's his, that's his goal. He says, I can't wait to come and see you that I may reap a harvest among you. Paul wants to go see people saved. Paul wants to show up in Rome so he can experience what's going on there. Turmoil, persecution and all. And, and, and that's what happens. Paul actually ends up in a Roman jail. Paul reminds them of the importance of the gospel because Paul is so hyper-focused on making sure that the gospel is proclaimed to the ends of the earth because he wants people to be saved He wants to be a part of the harvest of people coming from death to life. And he preaches and he he writes letters and he leads the church at the time to a place where it begins to flourish and spread all over the world. Why was Paul so crazy about the gospel getting out? Why was he so crazy that drove him to, to act this way, to to just set up his life in this way that everything he did was filtered through the gospel. Why would he do that? The question, the answer is simple. He met Jesus. Why was his life so changed from what it was before? It's because he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, Jesus set him free from the prison that he was in. We, we know that, that there were scales put over Paul's eyes, but can I tell you something? There were scales on Paul's eyes before he met Jesus. Jesus made him blind physically, but he made him see spiritually. And sometimes that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to show us some areas in our life that, that we think we have got 2020 vision in. The problem is, is we're focused on the wrong things. And God in his loving manner, he begins to let us see that the way we have conducted our life, that we're only living in partial power We're not using all that God has made us to be. We're not fulfilling the purpose that God has given us to fulfill. And and we wonder why we feel so anxious. We wonder why we drudge through our days so many times. We wonder that when when things come in our life that are so hard, why we just can't get through them.
Paul wants you to have the same experience he had with Jesus so that for us, we're no longer operating like something that's dead. But we get to operate like someone that's alive. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I'm just gonna ask you a simple question. Is that you this morning? Are you operating out of this kind of power or are you operating off of your own? Has there ever been a time that you stood face to face with Jesus and let him speak the truth of the gospel over you? Has there ever been a time where you say, Jesus, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm I'm tired of living with this anxiety, this half truth that I've been believing about my life. I want you to save me. I want you to change me like you changed Paul. If that's you this morning, I, I I want you to pray with me. It's a simple prayer. God, thank you for loving me so much that you brought me into this place to hear the truth of your word. That you brought me into this place to hear how much you love me. I wanna be changed this morning like you changed Paul. I wanna be set free from the sin that binds me. I wanna know the power of the cross and his resurrection. God, I want you to make me whole this morning. I give everything I have to you. Now listen, if you prayed that with me this morning, would you do something real simple? Would you just simply raise your hand? Thank you. Raise them up, raise them up. We got, a, we got somebody that's gonna come to you and give you a Bible this morning. Come on, come on, it's okay, it's all right. We got people that, that wanna give you a Bible so you can have an opportunity to read for yourself how much God loves you. For the rest of us in this room, it is time for us to take the power that God has placed inside of us and come out of the phone booth. It is time for us to unite with each other as the church, quit fighting with each other as the church and begin to use the gospel as a weapon in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our church, in our world, and as far as God will bring us. Heavenly Father, this morning I'm praying that you would bind us together as the church and not even just Revolution Church, but the church all over the world, God, that you would bind us together so that we see an unbelievable awakening of your spirit on the face of the earth.
that our story is worth telling. Our story is worth talking about above anything else. God, I pray you would rearrange our priorities as believers to your priorities, that we're together in the body, that we long to be with each other. We long to see you move in our midst. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.